As the podcast grows and the research deepens and the connections across the globe get wider, opportunities like this come along. This week I want to introduce you all to Laura, the megalith hunter from Malta. Her work that she's done over the past couple of years documenting and taking photos of the many, many megalithic sites in Malta is to be applauded. And she's the megalith hunter on Instagram. Give her a follow if you haven't already. We sat down over Zoom and had an extensive chat about the multiple different sites that are on the ground in Malta. However, at the same time, I don't think we even scratched the surface. Malta is very mysterious, and I didn't quite understand how mysterious until now. And I just want to thank Laura again for her time to help us understand and give us a perspective of someone who has walked the ground there. It was an excellent conversation, and I look forward to sitting down with her again soon and doing some more work in the future. A couple of things before we get started on this one. want to send my love and the love of all the coders out there to one of our staunchest supporters, Ben Hall and his family. We've got your back, mate, and appreciate your support. Also, just want to remind everyone that I have started the Patreon page, Unlocking the Code on Patreon. And I want to welcome Jesse into the fold. Welcome, mate. Thank you very, very much for your support. The field trip was very interesting. A lot of stuff to come out of that. Uh, me and Richard recorded the night that we got back after the main field trip and probably might release that one next week. However, we've got another awesome conversation coming up dedicated to another fellow coder out there. So we'll just see how we go. That's about it from me. I really appreciate your time and your support, and to those new listeners, welcome. We'll start this one off with Bathing the Sun by Rowdy, and I'll chuck not sure what on the end of it just yet. Just wanting to put out there as well that anyone that has original music that wants a free plug on the podcast to contribute to just the front and back, I like to include music, I think it's a good thing. It's the uh, ex-DJ in me, I suppose. Let me know. I'd like to collaborate and happy to give you a free plug. You know, just to have some cool music on the front and back of the podcast. That's it, guys. Thanks very much. Look after yourselves. Be kind, be cool, stay focused, and we'll talk soon. Cheers.
G'day everyone, welcome back. It's my great pleasure to introduce the Megalith Hunter to you. I now know her name is Laura. She's all the way over <laughs> in Malta and she's joining us today. How are you going? I'm very good, thanks, Trifon. Look, it's it. I was just saying before we turn the mics on that uh, anyone that doesn't follow your Instagram page should. It's it's very detailed and the the, the way you go into it is is very succinct and I like that. So much appreciation to you. It has helped my research in joining this big megalithic puzzle together. Um, I suppose, first question, what drew you to the stones? There's a calling for all of us. <laughs> well, I've been interested in it um, since, I guess, the, the 90s. I remember sitting um, in my parents' house on a weekend and looking through the books they had on Stonehenge and megaliths in general. And my dad used to tell me that when he got married to my mum, he wanted to go to thousands. So they didn't quite manage that, but they went to quite a few major sites. And so it was always something that the family was interested in. And there were always a lot of books around. Now, when I first came to Malta, I'm, I'm British, clearly from the accent, and I came here on holiday to look at the temples specifically like I was really fascinated by them but this was something that I always did in my holiday time whenever I had um, a week or two spare I would go and look at well many historical sites there's lots of periods of history that interest me but I was really drawn to the megaliths because they're just so mysterious there's no written language from that time and I just think there's so many questions that remain unanswered so that was just a hobby for me I read lots of popular books, not necessarily um, academic journals or anything like that. And then I did a master's degree in Malta in Mediterranean studies because that was something that interested me. It wasn't related to my job. I just wanted to do it because I was passionate about it. And at that time, because it was a good 20 years since my previous studies, I realized that now most journals are online and it's quite easy to do research at home on yes. a variety of subjects, especially if you have memberships and things. So then I started to read even more detail into to various periods of history and focusing on the megaliths outside of my course. And after I finished it, 
as a hobby. This is just something that I got really into. Mm. Then last year, I oh, sorry, I just got my tripod. Um, I had to, I had to, um, I was supposed to go on lots of business trips and holidays and to weddings abroad and everything got cancelled and so I was doing a lot of staycations and I thought there's nothing left to look at in Malta I've been to every site Mm. and then I realized that I actually hadn't been to every site because there were so many it's just that they're not well advertised many Mm. are on private property some are semi-destroyed and I got started going through all these like old documents and academic papers looking for where these uh, sites are located and that's how I started calling myself the megalith hunter is a bit of a joke because I was climbing through fields and scratching my legs with thorns and, and became a bit obsessed with finding these sites and dolmens that were really difficult to find. And when I, um, when I got really into it, I thought I would start like recording these places I go to and putting photographs and GPS. And then it just became a thick. Then it became a project that I actually wanted to invest time and resources into. And that's how the Megalith Hunter came about. But the interest has been there for many, many years. Um, but now I, I also feel that within this sphere, you have a lot of independent researchers. There's a lot of academics, obviously. Um, and I still feel like the whole thing is just really fragmented and there's still this massive puzzle. And so the more exposure you can give to the subject, the better. I also got on Instagram because I realized that we need to reach out to a broader demographic these Mm -hmm. days Mm -hmm. and a lot of the younger generation are on there. So Mm -hmm. when I'm telling people about it at dinner parties or my friend's children, um, they, you know, they're all now studying in university and, and not really knowing that that this is a, a career path they could take. Mm. So I, and some, some people haven't even heard of the cart ruts in Malta even, um, mm. some of the y- younger generation I've spoken to. So, you know, like people in their early 20s or whatever. So I thought, you know, let me make sure it's all on Instagram because that's where everybody is now and, and mm. YouTube, although I'm not great. At, um, it doesn't come easy to me filming, but I thought, you know, got to do it. So everybody's visual, everyone wants videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's look, where it, I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, look, it is, it is, look, this medium is an interesting, interesting one. And look, we all start there. And look, obviously, being English, you had Stonehenge in your in the background. And mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, obviously, your specialty is Malta. So let's zero in there because I mean, there's so many. Look, as I say, I looked at probably, I think you've got four hundred and something posts. I probably looked at most of them today, just in preparation to to talk to you. Because and it, but I didn't look too deep because I wanted you to to get your perspective. So before I want to get to the cart ruts because that, that if you're into megaliths, you know about the cart ruts, and there's a million theories we could discuss them for hours. However, yeah, what I wanted to ask you throughout what you've seen, it seems to me looking at your pictures that there's one or two or even three different types of building style that we're looking at in Malta. You know, there there, mm-hmm. there seems to be something that looks very similar to Gobekli Tepe, T-shaped pillars. Um, small stone walls around those, like in the temples and stuff like that. There seems to be a, a loose polygonal masonry. And then there seems to be these very well cut, very well done uh, megaliths as well with, with windows cut out and there's the holes there. You were talking about hinges. But, I mean, yeah. do, do you think that there's – because I see in your posts, I sort of – I went through and I was like, so the oldest you've got there is like 7,000-odd years ago. Is that is that the mainstream? Uh- Five five thousand. Five thousand. Yeah. So 000. the the oldest the the oldest um, remains dated to a megalithic period is three thousand eight hundred BCE. So that's um, from the Santa Verona Temple in Gozo, as far as I know from from all the research I've read. And before that, 
there were from around 6000 BCE there were um there are remains of of domestic villages mm-hmm. and the the population that lived in those domestic villages seemed to have left the islands or depopulated substantially before the megalithic era yeah. so there might not actually be a relationship between the earliest farmers mm. and the temple builders but the earliest dating evidence for the temple builders is from 3800 bce and what and how to look i always question timeline like i know you've listened to some mm. of the stuff we do here do you do you agree yeah. with that timeline or I mean, I'm not a scientist, and when they've done, this is based on quite modern excavation reports as well. Going back to 2013 to 2018, I've read the monographs from the Fragsis project that have been published. Mm -hmm. So they had revisited sites that were excavated a long time ago, Mm -hmm. and... um, or relatively, you know, a long time ago. So that they were using the latest scientific methods to investigate. And obviously you can't like lift up all of the rocks and go all the way underneath them, oh, but no. they could do a fair amount of work to see if there was any occupation layers before. Mm-hmm. And it looks as though the megaliths were based on the, the evidence they have, they were dated to that period. And then underneath that, they do have something older, but it's more of a domestic style settlement. Of we're course, talking, you're you know, talking about carbon dating. You were carbon dating to about yeah, 3,000 3, yes. BC. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Carbon dating plus or minus the errors. Um, so, I mean, it's difficult to say because even there could be sites that haven't been, haven't been found yet even. Um, but this is just the sites that are well known. Mm, and, mm. I, I mean, I don't like to – of course, um, there's always r- margin for error. Mm-hmm. And the, there's other ways that, it, that these things can be interpreted. But the only, um, the only thing I can really work around is, is reading that research at the moment. Yes. Of course, I've seen that there's, there's various ideas that people have put forward, um, some more outlandish than others. Definitely, there could be older settlements. Um, but when, when people say they were probably created during the last ice age, that's a little tricky because that goes back so many thousands more years um, and there are, there isn't just one person involved in these excavations. There are many people from all over the world. So I can't imagine they would make such a, an error, mm-hmm. but there could be sites that we don't know about, or there could be, I guess, evidence underneath the rocks. And you wouldn't want to remove them because if you remove them, you're destroying a site. So there's always a chance that there's something deeper that we don't really know about, I guess. So these temples, were these temples found above ground or were they buried, the, the, the main temples? They, well, they were buried, but not purposefully. It was just um, because of debris building and sediment over the years. Okay. They, yeah. they, they could see it with, they could see like um, megaliths sticking out from the, from, from the um, farmland and the farmers were complaining in some sites that they were struggling to plough. Yeah. And then when, when they started excavating, they realised there was a whole temple into that. And that's that's a, that's a common story, isn't it? That they, you know, they the farmer complains that he can't move the big stone out of the way, and they dig down, and the stone's twenty tons, and it's got carvings on it. Like that's that's a common story with this. So do you think? Uh, so okay, so I mean, look, three and a half, three five thousand years ago is not nothing. Um, but what about the building techniques? Do you think the oldest, the, the better stuff is older? Or do you think, is there a progression as far as the age is concerned? 
You know, I was looking into this because there used to be a sort of rough theory that the temple structures and building techniques would have evolved over time. Mm. But it doesn't seem that they did. They seem to not really follow that sort of pattern. Mm. So you, you will have like, um, the idea would be like a tree foil, smaller temple with smaller bricks would be older mm -hmm. than something that was four apps or five apps with larger megaliths, but it doesn't really seem to follow that pattern, which is also a bit of a mystery. Mm. It's quite anomalous. Yeah, it seems to be that way. That they, you know, it's, it, And that's all over the planet as well. The deeper they dig, the better it gets. It's not like yeah. what, whatever the knowledge was that the, the builder culture, that, that's sort of a term that we've coined around here, it's, it seems to be that we lost something. You know, whoever that... Whoever, yeah. whoever and whatever that culture was, they lost a skill set, you know, because, I mean, like I said, through the photos that you've presented so well on your, on your Instagram page, it looks like there's three or four building techniques, you know, I, you know, mm -hmm. at least three, you know. Then, oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's like they've had a few goes at it and it's like the bigger the bigger stuff, it's, and it's like the, the smaller stuff is packed around the bigger stuff, so the bigger stuff had to be there first, you know. It's like... So it, once upon a time, we could move multi-ton blocks. And I think one of the impressive things about the stuff I see in Malta with your stuff is those windows that are actually cut out of the stone as well. Like that's that's another level of uh, engineering and understanding of stone masonry that is not very common in, in some of these sites. Exactly. And, you know, the, the other thing is when people talk about um, dating, we don't always have to say, oh, well, you know, the archaeologists are wrong or maybe we just haven't found um, anything datable to an earlier period, but really they're older. It could very much be, like I say, if you think about just me as an independent researcher, here's how mm. I'm thinking. What if the early farmers with their very basic settlements had nothing to do with the later megalith builders? And there's a chance they didn't. There's several mm. hundred years where it doesn't seem that the islands were occupied. Mm. Does that mean that it needs to have evolved from something older, or could it be that they just came to the island and they already had the technology from another place? <laughs> they definitely had to come here on a boat. We know that because it's post ice age and they had to cross the sea to get here. Um, so there's every possibility that they came from a place where the, the structures, where they'd already learned the building techniques, where they've already displayed the building techniques, and then they brought that technology to Malta later. <laughs> And that's why it seems that they are very sophisticated, but the but they're well, they're still old. It's you know older than Stonehenge or whatever, but it's not as old as something like Gobekli Tepe. Mm. So I always wonder if that's that might be a, a good explanation that kind of well answers answers a few issues around the around the dating controversies. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting. So with the with the Malta stuff, are we talking? Is it is it the standard? Uh, religious or is it uh, astronomical do we have alignments winter summer solstice etc with you know the usual suspects with some of this stuff yeah i mean hajarim and amnijah are known to be aligned mm -hmm. so for example on the solstice on saturday at five in the morning heritage motor organizing um something you can get a ticket and go and look at that um so so that's definitely a theory it's it hasn't really been um been found with the other temples. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just because an investigation hasn't been done into it or if they really, or if there's not enough remaining for them to be able to work that out. 
because mm-hmm. some of the temples are the very scanty remains. But for Hajar Iman and Nidra, when you go to the visitor center, there are models and then you can press a button and shine the sun on the solstice and, and the equinox and, and work out and, and see um, where the sun li- uh, lands in, in regards to the temple. So it's thought that these temples were aligned with solstices and equinoxes. Okay. And, and is that is that a, a time period thing? Are they still aligned today or is it just because that, that's another thing? Like if you... yeah. You play, you play with the the equinox and the and the and the wobble. That's the, that's the difference, isn't it? Are they still aligned today? They are still aligned today. Yeah. Well, that gives you a time frame. So that's in the last 10, 12,000 years in these equinox cycles. So yeah. You know, so the, that kind of supports the radiocarbon dating mm, evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, I mean, I don't know. I always think that maybe. My cat's jumping. <laughs> um, I, I always think that maybe there's more to it than that. I just think it's very simplistic to look at to look at solstices and equinoxes only. And I always wonder if there's a much more detailed astronomical picture. Oh, look, um, I think that, without a doubt. I would I, love yeah. to learn more about that, actually, because I think it's such a complicated subject. Um, but I think that that's very possible. And look, I think without a doubt, I think, but what the solstice does, and, and what it does, giving us our basic understanding with that, is that they had they were obviously observing the stars in Malta, like they were everywhere else. Those those, those exactly. time those time periods of the year, they they they've moved multi-ton stones to make sure it lines up on that day. Um, you know, so I think it is much deeper. Like you know, actually, you saw that. You know, the holes. You know, you said the holes that are found everywhere, and they're yeah. like. And is it, isn't it interesting how everything's an offering, right? It's always yeah. oh, this is this is where we live. That, that's where they left their offering. It was all spiritual and religious, and wasn't serious at all. I thought what I wanted to share with you is that in Australia, uh, the indigenous here in Australia, what they did in some sites is they would dig round holes exactly like that, and they would be uh, you'd fill them with water, and at a certain time of year, and uh, the stars would align with them. It was actually you, you, you're looking at a, a a constellation or a star map on the ground that can be reflected wow. in the sky. Um, and look, I don't know whether that's a that's something that you know. There's a couple of sites here that I need to go and do that with because there's the 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 axe the, where the imprint is that I found. There's some of those holes everywhere, um, and you know there's not a real good explanation for those. But I thought I'd just give you that piece of information. And I think there's a. Yeah. a Stellarium, I think Stellarium is the app. I had it on my other computer where you can wind back the clock at a certain geological location, yeah. which um, may give you a, a better understanding. So what is it? Um, so you talked about because those circles are very good. Like I, I don't, I don't want to leave the windows and, and the circles uh, al- uh, alone the, because they're they very. Call them, they call them like oracle holes, certain circles because they say maybe it was for a priest-type um, figure to, to say something to the audience on the outside. It but always when is. I, but it's I keep finding... Mm. <laughs> exactly, but I keep finding them. And I mean, I even found one the other day at Tahagrat, and I haven't found any information on that. And it just seems so purposefully carved. And when you look through it, it's right at the back of the main temple. You can, it's one of the few temples that sat in a valley. And the hills um, that you can see through the hole 
there's like um, a hill, then like a niche, then a hill. And, you know, I've read a little bit about this in other books where, where researchers come up with theories that the natural landmarks were used to help view stars at certain times of year. Yeah. And so, and usually then to align with certain stones or holes within a, within a structure. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that's interesting. And and I really kind of, I used to just take it for granted, Oracle Hole. And now I really pay more attention to those when I go around the sites and I try and find more. Mm. And you can tell the difference between natural re- weathering and ones that have been clearly carved out. And even in Borjin Nadura, there's one there, which I also can't find a reference to on any papers. Um, and that that's super interesting. Like I, I, um, I mean, it's in this really huge megalith and it looks out over, would have looked out over the ocean before there was all buildings put over there. And I just, I don't know, there's, there's something to it. There's definitely something more to it. And I tried to download one of these apps, but I really need to learn more about how to use them. So yes. I know what I'm looking for before yeah. I go ahead with it. And that, that's the confusion. Some of these apps, yeah, they are, they are difficult to use. But I mean, I would say the ones in the walls that are, are away from anything else, they've got to be some sort of alignment, you would think, to some, whether it be a landmark or whether it be a, a certain time of year, the sun might shine straight through that hole, you know, like, and did that have any significance? Like, you got to think about that, you know. But when we talk about the um, – so the holes that you find, is that in the better building? That's in the better stuff, isn't it? That's in the bigger stuff? That's in the – It's in Yeah, it's in the stuff that's better preserved. And, I mean, even at Hajarim, the, the hole that – it's, so I've noticed that the holes are mostly at eye level. At Hajarim, it's a bit low, mm-hmm. but it's close to a menhir that's attached to the outside of the building. Now, the menhir is not part of the external wall. Mm-hmm. It's taller, although, of course, the, there's weathering on all the other rocks, but, it, but it's set apart and leaned against it. And, I mean, I think it's, I don't, I think it's um, a little bit simplistic to say that they were just worshipping this giant rock. It seems like to me, it, more likely it had a very practical purpose to be put exactly where it was, near to that hole, as tall as it is, separate but joined to the main building. Um, and I don't know what that practical purpose is because, like I say, I mean, it's we, I've, I've said this in my videos as well, we don't really have context. We don't know what they were really practicing no. or what was important to them at the time. Or whether even when it comes to solstices, it was all about farming or it had a more ritual significance. But that's also weird. And it's just, you know, mentioned on the plaques. It's mentioned everywhere. But no one really looks into why. No, why that's right. Just, yeah. I don't think they were just walking up and worshipping a giant rock. I think there mm. was more to it. Of course there was. I mean, yeah, and this is, yeah, you talk about Gobekli Tepe, you talk about some of these, uh, these older temples that we're finding, some of this stuff we're finding here in Australia. Mm. And it's like, they obviously built it. They built it knowing geography. They built it knowing astronomy. They built it knowing uh, mathematics, you know, logistics, stonework. Like it's not just, oh, these were, you know, people in loincloths. They just decided to stand a few stones up. It's like the, everyone, it, it is mentioned so offhandly uh, around the globe. And like I think, um, you know, in Megalithomania too, I had, I had a slide with the list of all the countries and I've added another five countries to that list in the last month since I last, since I did that podcast. So this is something that echoes around the world, and it was much more important. I think there was a there once was a global civilization that did this work for for, for some reason or another. And you know these holes, these stones, these it's, it's put there for a purpose. It's not 
you know, whether it was a um, education or whether it was, um, it could, it could be ritual, it could be religion. Um, but, but you just said you don't know. There's no real record of what they were uh, worshiping, I suppose, for want of a better term, um, in Malta. But I know there's the like the the what do you call them, fat bottom ladies. Um, you know, yeah. there's those certain those certain idols that they're found in the dirt there. Is there any other reference to um, uh, uh, a belief system or, or a culture or uh, or even like names of deities or anything else like that that echo at no. all? No. no, because, I mean, it was the time before written language. There's, there's no records. Um, the carvings and statues, so the statues of the corpulent women, well, they, they might be, they could even be men. They don't know, really. Mm. It's quite hard to determine. But mm. there has, uh, there's this whole goddess kind of theory come about over the years, but it's not so well supported in archaeological circles from what I can understand from what I've read. But but it's still assumed that these figures were some sort of deities or leaders of the society. Mm. And then you have these uh, altars. I mean, also, for want of a better word, they are referred to as altars because yeah. they are assumed to have been for ritual. Mm. But there's a, in my upcoming uh, video, which is going to be released on Saturday, I've, I've talked a little bit about this because each altar is designed completely differently to the next one. Well, there's a few styles, and I just don't understand why that would be. And it, I'm, I don't know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, well, there's one in Tarshin which has like a portal window on top, once again, that portal style, yeah. and then it has uh, spiral carvings throughout, mm -hmm. and then this little hole at the bottom, which when they removed the stone that was covering it, they found a flint knife, they found bones, so it's assumed it was related to animal sacrifice and ritual feasting then there's another one which has like a sort of plant pattern on the side and it's like square then there's these mushroom shaped ones then there's these others which uh, sit a horizontal slab sits on three vertical pillars and then there are double story ones and they are all referred to as altars and I don't see why they would build. I mean, I, I don't know these these uh, ancient people personally, but it seems strange to me and impractical to do that. You would surely just have like one type of altar you keep rolling out for all the different parts of the temple. Mm. Well, that it, and look, there seems to be there's there's a list of things that it always is. It's an altar. It's sacrifice. Mm. It's it, it's all just religious myth, and none of it's real. You know what I mean? There's there's a standard list that a lot of this stuff is attributed to, and you're right. Why would you build? And so, how many temples? I mean, looking at all the pictures, as I say, I saw most of your posts today, so I lost track of what was what, basically. So, how many main? How many of these proper megalithic, the 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 good stuff, like the big stones, you know, are there on Malta? How many of those temples are there? Well, ones where there is. There's six UNESCO World Heritage Sites. So the ones where you would say there's um, a good structure still there. It's Tahagrat and Skorba, which are near each other. Hajaim and Niger. Tarshien and Kordin. Um, then the Gigantia on Gozo. And then the Hypogea, so the underground uh, necropolis of the Shara Stone Circle, which is near yeah. Gigantia, and yeah. used to have some more megaliths than it has today on top. And then the House Aflieni Hypogeum, which 
it's thought was a combination of a necropolis and a sort of underground temple um, and may have changed its use over time. So they're the most, I would say, intact structures. Then also there's Borjin Nadur has, has quite a bit left, but it was reused as a Bronze Age village and it's kind of, um, it's quite hard to see the original layout. And Tas Silj, that, that was actually a Phoenician temple, was used again in the Punic period, the Romans period and the Byzantine. And when they were excavating it, they did not expect to find megaliths there, but they found the outline of a megalithic temple. There's not much there, but there's enough. I mean, I, I made an appointment to go and see it because it's close to the public. You have to make a, like an appointment with Heritage Malta and I went down there. And it was fascinating. There's a threshold stone with the libation holes or what's referred to as libation holes. There was like a, a wall of various other scattered megaliths. I mean, it's fascinating. So, and, and then of course, there's others that are referred to that have very little left, like Hao Jinwi, um, Shobla Jin, uh, Tamazina in Gozo, Tachench in Gozo. So, I mean, that it's thought that there was, that around, the remains of about 30 that definitely temples have been found. But then there are other megaliths and um, menhirs, which, which it's thought could have been temples, but it's really hard to tell at this point or some sort of structure from that period. Um, and then that's the ones that haven't been destroyed or by, you know, by being farmed over thousands of years. And that uh, excludes any that haven't been found yet. So yeah. it could be that on this these right, relatively small islands, there was hundreds of temples, and this which is, is the, also so strange. Isn't it? I mean, look, that's I, – I did think – I was thinking in my mind that there's six or seven main ones. I mean, I, I'd heard of the Hypogea, the Cart Ruts, there's the underground stone circle. I've heard about that stuff before. Um, mm. But, I mean, just think about that, that on that small group of islands there, once upon a time, there was literally hundreds of stone circles – serving some purpose. I was going to ask about the uh, the Indigenous population of Malta. Do they have any stories that echo through? or I mean, because obviously the Roman, you already mentioned the Romans, the, the Byzantines, the Phoenicians. So people have obviously, the, the, the empires had their way with that set of islands on their, on their, on their empire yeah. building. Um, but is there, is there anything echoing as far as stories with the Indigenous population? No. No, because yeah. no, it was depopulated after the Temple period. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Bronze Age. Um, the, there's been quite a few periods of depopulation or where the islands were very, uh, there was a very small amount of um, settlements. Yeah. And then, so it's, there's nothing that really follows all the way through. Right. Okay. That's interesting. And, look, and like the, the spiral carvings, I mean, there's, there's symbols, you know, I think there's, 32 or 35 symbols now that echo across the globe and the spiral carving is, is one of those symbols. Do we find any more of that sort of carving or is it, is it all too weathered and moved around? I mean, the best examples are at Tarshin, mm. um, but then there's also some blocks being recovered from Hajar-Im. So, yeah, I mean, the spiral motif was definitely part of the Maltese temple culture. It could be that that motif develops separately in different countries. I don't find that one so convincing as to be something that was definitely a worldwide, um, no, worldwide that, thing that, that no. proves cultures traveled. Yeah. But, but there's so much that doesn't really make sense, you know, that you think, okay, really, I can completely understand 
one culture developing a spiral. I can understand one culture developing certain farming techniques. But what I cannot quite understand is all these totally separate cultures moving enormous megalithic blocks and and having a, motifs that are quite similar. Like even the, the fat lady statues, as they're called. I mean, they look at the, the statues from the Paleolithic. There are many. It's, we know about uh, the Venus of Willendorf, and that's very uh, popularly mentioned, but there are actually so many. And that's 23,000 years before Malta was even inhabited. Mm. And then you find a culture here also making these corpulent, uh, these statues of corpulent figures. And that just seems also remarkably strange mm. because also this was a time when, you know, there wouldn't have been so many resources no. and you wouldn't expect obesity to be like uh, as wide a problem as it is today. So, and, and they're all anatomically accurate as well. Mm. So they're not like fantasy carvings. I know. No, look, there's some of them are very interesting. And it, it again, it's like, I think, and you're probably finding this even just in Malta, you end up with more questions and answers in this stuff, don't you, really? Like, I think it's it's like the, the closer you get and the more understanding you get, it's like, well, now all that's done is give me another 20 questions that I can't answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I know. love putting that out there because <laughs> when you read the guidebooks, everybody, it's, it's usually the same things. And and so I actually now, you know, I take a point and I, and I go and I look as, for as many journals and papers and books as I can on that one point to build up a picture of what research has been done, what dating evidence there is, what theories there are. And then I still have questions. And that's why I think it's such an interesting topic and it's worth everybody continuing to discuss it because oh, no yeah. conclusions are, are being reached. And, and look, and, and, and I think, I don't know if you've found this, a lot of the mainstream uh mainstream points of view are really built on beds of sand. It's like, yeah, okay, that's been accepted as the mainstream understanding. But you, if you dig into it even just a little bit, it's like, well, hang on a minute. I've read this for five minutes and I've already got 10 questions as to how you got to that, how you got to that conclusion, you know. I do think, yeah. you know, you know, people like yourself, myself, you know, the, the the guys and girls behind the podcast and you've got a community I see of people that are into what you do. These independent researchers, we're not tied down to the academic uh, structure. So we can openly ask these questions uh, without recrimination. And I think a lot of people, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these researchers that are in academia, they do have the same questions but they don't have the ability to ask them, which is what modern technology is giving us, which I think is so important. Um, For sure. Uh, so, look, I want to talk about the card ruts because, you know, I, I, I've got a few theories myself. Um, but what are the big questions? So what, what are the, what's the most mysterious thing? Like you said, you keep saying that, you know, that you've always got a lot of questions and, and this thing is worth talking about. Mm. If, you were to, if you were to share with us what's the one site or carving or, or circle that, that blew your mind so much that you went, hang on a minute, what is what is actually going on here? You know, and is, is there one or was there multiple? And what, what's the big questions you're asking? I, it's just so, I mean, it's all a bit mysterious. I mean, I st spend ages at each site just thinking and just staring. And I don't know, I, the hypogeum is a bit of a strange one, um, for it is. sure. It is, yeah. Because when you go down there, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Like once um, I was kind of curious about why there's like this pit that, well, it it doesn't really make sense because 
you couldn't climb into it because if you fell, you would, you would injure yourself if you went into it. Um, and if it was used for storage, it's not, I mean, it's kind of got like a step down. So it, that also doesn't really make sense because a storage cistern or something would usually be kind of protected or covered um, or a little bit away from the main area. And I thought to myself, well, I, maybe it was filled with water because then that would make sense. It was like a little mini underground lake. And then there was other parts of the hypogeum I thought the same about. Like I could imagine a boat kind of parked here and, you know, like some underworld kind of um, lake river thing. I don't know. So these, these are just ideas. They're not like well-researched, but these are the sorts of places that get my mind um, going with ideas and theories because I just think, well, that must have had water in it because otherwise there was no way of getting into it. So stuff like that. And then the temples themselves are obviously quite mysterious. I mean, aside from how did they do it, which is always the issue when it comes to megalithic structures, you just walk in and you try to picture like, what were they doing? Why, why, why does that apse have like a, a threshold stone that you would trip over on the way in? Mm. Why, mm. why has that got like a portal stone that's mm. really tiny? Because mm. judging by the statues, people weren't tiny. So mm. how did they fit through that? Um, just things that don't make sense. Mm. Um, where it's not me saying, oh, there's some magical mystery here. It's me saying there's a, a practical question here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that yeah. I can't quite figure out. Yeah, look, I mean, you, you, can, you can take it down the woo-woo path if you wanted to. For, however, you don't actually have to with a lot of this stuff. You can look at it practically and go, hey, what, like... For me, the, the big thing that I get out of your research, that there's two things that, I, that they've impressed me. And, and, and one is the, how they've actually carved a, a window out of the stone. Right? That, I mean, understanding. So obviously during this, my, my journey on down the megalith process, I've looked at how you work stone. I've spoken to stonemasons. I've looked at the, the different structures. And actually getting cutting a window like, you know, leaving a rim of a stone. And, and, and there's that one that's recessed as well that I saw you took a photo of. And it's like, yeah. in order to do that, that's not chisels and, you know, that's not a copper chisel and, and, and good intentions. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to have a level yes. of, of stone masonry and, and mastery of your craft to even try and, because you can't, in order to do that, like as I've looked into how you would do that, uh -huh. you would break the stone. You know, like, the, do you know what kind of stones they are over there? What is it? Is it a sandstone? Is it a, a no, limestone? It's a limestone. It is a limestone. So it's Globigerina or um, Coraline. Yeah. Okay. So it's two not, different types. Yeah. Limestone's not that hard to work with. It's not like a granite or something like that. However, you're still talking about, you know, like, making that especially that large one you've got how big is that it looks like it's like 1.5 meters sort of thing is that how big yeah we've... it's about 1.5 meters the one that is now broken but is the entrance to the upper temple of niger that's yeah. about 1.5 meters so, um, so no it's not well no, it's a bit taller than that actually i would say it's it's two meters two meters so there you go so they and, and you can't just you'd have to know the stone as well this is the these are the nitty-gritty things that I like to think about. It's like, well, you had to choose that stone and know that you could do that to that stone because uh -huh. you, or you would have done it 20 times and you would have broke every one of them, you know. So it's either either your tooling and your understanding of the, uh, 
your, your ability to do it outweighs the, the quality of the stone or you know the stone that well that you can pick a piece you can do that to and then you've got the tools to do it, you know, like the, exactly. You know, it's it's it it's really interesting stuff, and that's something that I haven't seen in in a lot of other places apart from Malta with that window cut out and with a yeah. stone a stone rim. And I around. call it the portal because of the rim and stuff. Mm. It's like yeah, it's strange, and there are quite a few of them. <laughs> that's what I mean. There wasn't just one. They, they, I saw there was they'd done it quite a few times. Yeah, and some some are too small to walk through, but they are entrances to an apse, and and others are huge. I mean, you just think it's like some weird, weird world. Like it doesn't, it doesn't follow any pattern. And I think that, well, it seems to be. And I, you know, the bit of research that I did, you know, after after I'm not too sure who followed who on Instagram. However, I um, after I found your stuff, I did a little bit of research, and there does seem to be a lot of mystery behind Malta because there is no, there is no echoes of indigenous culture. You know, the Romans had a go, the Phoenicians had a go, the Greeks probably had a go. You know what I mean? Like so many people have been there. It's it's hard to understand what's what and how. And I didn't, you know, obviously now talking to you and, and looking at your work today, that the quality of that older work seems to be the best stuff. You know, was there many, yeah. was, was there many, uh, was the classic, the Romans were great at it. They'd take the best temples and build on top of them. Did they do that in Malta as well or? Yeah, I mean they did. Tas Silge has been has multiple occupation layers, for example. Um, so yeah, and then it's also thought that various megalithic blocks have been taken from temples and used in in walls for um, boundary walls or yeah, various yeah. buildings over yeah. time. So that's often the case that they're not found in situ. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Very interesting. Well, look, I think. Um, I want to talk about the cart ruts because the thing, yeah. the thing about Malta, if for, for those that are, are, are megalith buffs like ourselves, the cart ruts are one of those things that defy logic. They, they you talk about things that don't make a lot of sense. And look, you know, we can start by saying the only reason they're called cart ruts is just because, bottom line, it doesn't make much sense initially when you yeah. look at them. That's what they look like. You know, it looks like it looks yeah. like. You know, I, I had a thought today of like, um, you know, looking at your work today, I thought about tram tracks, you know, so they had, mm-hmm. you know, some carts that, you know, you just, you just, that, that, that was to that destination. It was like a train track, yeah. but it, it was a, it was carts. But I mean, when, when's the first evidence of the wheel in Malta, I suppose, is the question, or, or don't we know? I mean, you would, I don't know. You, you would, you would, <laughs> ass- you would assume it was someone bringing it there. You would think, you know, the, the, the Phoenicians or someone like that would have bought the wheel there. Um, you know, and even the ones that go, the thing about the cart ruts that gets me is that, you know, and you, you highlighted in one of your posts is that there seems to be some peripheral evidence that they go under the ocean and then they actually come out at the next island, which would then lead someone to think prior to the last ice age when the sea level was lower, you know, 400 feet lower than it is now. But then that, then you go, okay, well, it still doesn't tell us what they are. I mean, after seeing so many of them and, and experiencing them for quite a few years now, I'm curious as to what you think they are. Do you, or you don't? 
I don't know Trifon. Like I, <laughs> they really fascinate me. What I find interesting is like there's obviously so many. Exactly, like when yeah. I first came to Malta, I thought, well, I dread about the most famous ones, and I'd seen a few links to some other ones. But what I didn't realize is how many there really are. So I go on like, um, there's some good websites which do list them. There's loads of books which list them. They don't all, they're not all comprehensive directories though. You'll find some on this one, some on this. And then I've even gone through some old documents which talk about, um, I can't remember what it was. I think they were from some to do with environmental planning. And then there was a list in there. So but there, I mean, and I just, I'm trying to build up a directory and go around all of them. But what I find fascinating is when they find, when one, let's say they're doing a development mm-hmm. and they accidentally excavate a cart rut whilst that construction is ongoing. That cart rut is pristine because it's been covered in dirt and vegetation over probably thousands of years. And when they actually dig it out and uncover it, it's pristine, it's deep, it's so sharply cut. Is it really? Okay. The best examples, which I've I've taken photographs of, are so, so defined. And I say that what's strange about them is that some are shallow and some are are deeply cut, but I think that might just be that they've become worn over the years. Hmm. Probably originally they were all very deeply cut and they all have this um, like lip on them. I've noticed Hmm. this kind of lip which I can't really find much reference to. And it's already been investigated by archaeologists and they are pretty certain that these are not for irrigation Mm. or for farmland. Um, And there's obviously been a lot of experimental archaeology done to see if it was for slide cars or carts or what sort Mm. of transport it could have been. And nothing really 100% concludes it. And there, there are just hundreds. I mean, I don't even know there could be thousands, but there's hundreds that I'm aware of. And some are curved and, and they tend to be near other ones as well. And mm. sometimes pa- parallel to each other. And some are double and some crisscross and some are on a hill and others are on a valley. I'm just, it's are baffling. Are, I mean, are they a standard? I mean, it's a pretty, uh, it seems like a silly question, but are they a standard width? You know, like are yeah, they? 1.41 metres. The gauge is nearly always 1.41 metres. Yeah, right. So if you find one, 1.41 metres either side of it, there should be another one, roughly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well, no, they are always like tracks. So you always have a parallel track and it's there's 1.41 metres between that track. Between those and tracks. And sometimes, yeah. yeah, and sometimes those track, that, that one set of parallel tracks is on its own. Um, but that's often because there's, you know, developments put in the area that a lot have been lost over the years because there must have been absolutely everywhere in the islands. And then, like, even um, I was near this village called Sijui the other week, and there's a bunch of modern-day quarries around there. And I went looking for one particular cart route, which I found. And then I just took a walk, and then I found a load more in the area. Yeah, right. And you can sort of imagine they were all joined so was this one, whatever it was for, it seems that they were, there was a kind of system and network across the islands, but it was so intense. And also dating wise, I mean, it's thought they were probably pre, pre-Punic, pre um, but they could be Bronze Age. They might not 
date back to the megalithic era it's impossible to tell there's no sherds or anything yeah that, that's the thing because because they are stone aren't they they, they are stone they're in the limestone yeah. so we can't and they're clearly man-made and i don't believe that they've been even carved out by a if they were for transport i don't believe that the transportation vehicle itself wore it down no like they were you, made for that. To, yeah. yeah they were carved for it purposely because mm. when i've been to pompeii um, in Italy, and you can see the cart routes that have been worn down, and it's a very different type of type of scenario. Mm. Um, and then the ones that go off cliffs and under the water, I mean, I've been to visit those. It's, to be, to be fair, the area where they go into the water, that is a very shallow bay, and it will have changed quite a lot with more recent seismic activity sure. over the last 1,000, 2,000 years. So sure. it doesn't necessarily mean it goes back to the last ice age. Okay, um, yeah. But even the, the cliff that falls, they, it's thought that's probably a more recent seismic um, issue. Mm. But you never know. There could be more. I mean, it's, if there's, even if they go really deep into the water, I mean, I'd love to take up diving. I, I was planning to do a course last year, but I didn't manage it in the end. Um, I'd love to take that up and actually go and see what I can find. That was going to be my next question. You know, you got all these shallow bays between the islands park a boat in the middle and, and go for a swim and see what's underneath. Like, you know, cause, cause that, that could then, yeah. And you you are right. I mean, if it, the, the, the bays aren't very deep, it doesn't necessarily mean prior to the, 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 the meltwater pulses. However, um, it still would put it back, you know, a bit further than it already is, you know, is it, do they look, I suppose it's, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, through the photos, it's difficult and probably even more difficult standing there looking at them. Do they look to be the same quality as the larger megalithic stones, the, the like the carving quality and stuff like that? Or is that yeah. yeah? They're very high quality. I mean, the best, the most intact ones, I actually think what I'll do, because I always just take a picture of like distance um, so you could see the curve and how mm. long it is. But what I could do, actually, and I should do really, is go to some of the better ones and actually take photographs all the way down it to I'd show you to how clear it. and smooth the sides are, how these mm. lips that are just perfectly carved into the, the top of it. Um, yeah, it's it's really impressive. Oh, look, I'd love to see that. You know, if you, if you, if you don't post on the page, send, send me a couple because I'd yeah, love to. Yeah, I will do, for sure. I'd, lo I'd love to see that. I mean... What do you say? Like I, I've got, you know, apart, I, I had this idea of like trams, you know, because obviously I grew up in, yeah. in Victoria. We had a tram system in my hometown and the rails went everywhere. You know what I mean? They, they'd yeah. stop here, they'd stop there, they'd go everywhere. And then, but again, then that, 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 that then puts a fairly sophisticated high-level transportation system on a bunch of random islands, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it doesn't make sense. But they're literally everywhere. No. They're, they're one, you know. If you if you list the the mystery, the megalithic mysteries, and like I think they are megalithic mysteries. You know, if you list list the megalithic mysteries, the cart ruts are in the top ten because they're just like you said. It's not like there hasn't people have tried. They've made carts. They've made sleds. They've done this. They've done that to try and figure out what these things are used for. And at the end of the day, despite all that research, no one really knows. You know, no one, no one really knows at all. Exactly. No yeah. one knows. And it's not just that. It's just there's so many of them. It yeah, just, just the quantity, I mean, yeah. 
and they don't lead up to the temples. So that's why it's thought they might be later than the temples. But then again, it depends what they were originally used for. Yeah, was, um, obviously, yeah. the theory is, oh, they were for quarrying places where there are quarries and they were for lifting stones. Mm. I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem likely because there's, they seem to have been a network across the entire islands. Mm. And they're not always near ancient quarries. They us- there's usually quite a bit of an ev- evidence for ancient quarries. And I kind of, I feel like they are, um, the way that they curve and crisscross and it just doesn't seem ideal for dragging a massive stone from the bottom of a hill to the top. Like it just doesn't seem, and they're not always like that either. So I don't know. I was thinking the other day, because you get these stone spheres at some of the temples and there's a theory that they must have been used to help roll the megaliths into place. Maybe the tr- the cart ruts were had rollers in, yeah, and then the yeah. stuff was put on top of the rollers and pushed along. Maybe yeah, and I look, don't that's... think there's, but the spheres don't seem to be the right size for that. I don't think they would really roll that well. In well, the, the ones, I've yeah, seen. yeah, the ones, I, the ones I saw the spheres today, and yeah, they, they don't look like they'd be very useful. And again, <laughs> at, at what, at what, at what weight? Are we talking about those spheres collapsing? You know what I mean? Like you, you put this. It's it's one because I've spent a long time in logistics, so I immediately go to okay. Mm-hmm. We put the spheres in there. Then how much weight can those spheres actually take? Sure, if you're rolling it, it's, it's a rolling weight, so it's not always on the on the. But even then, you're rolling multi-ton blocks. Like what, how heavy yeah. are some of the how, how heavy are some of these stones? Do they estimate in these temples? I mean, there's one in Hajraim, which is um, 56 tons. 56? 57 tons. It's huge. Right. And but, but see, so if that's the biggest one, they're going to average out down to five or ten, like the you know the usual the usual type stuff. Yeah. I mean, even putting five ton worth of stone across a set of rollers, those stones aren't going to last very long. Like, And that stone would have to be a harder stone. It would have to be a granite or a diorite or or something like that in order for the role exactly. of theory to work. You know, so, again, we this is what, I, that's what I'm saying. We can we can say, yeah, look, that's a plausible idea. However, you know, you need this, 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 and this. Well, that's not, and now that one falls apart too. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, and why in Malta and why nowhere else? Like there is some cart run. I know there's, <laughs> there's, I know there's some interesting ones in Italy. I've seen some, but, they could be, they could literally be cart ruts because of the the amount of carts that are there, but the quantity is unseen nowhere else apart from Malta. And like no, so, then, so they exactly. don't so they don't go from the quarries to the temples. None of them, you know, no. it's, not, it's not like there's a bus stop out the front of the temple or something like that. <laughs> no, there's no um, there's no real like smoking gun for this. It's so hard to figure out. But I love it. I mean, I'm I'm pretty fascinated by the cartwrights. I mean, I don't think I know that I put a lot of them on my site, and people are probably like <laughs> another cartwright because they do all look quite similar. But I just I'm trying to build up a really consistent directory of as many as I can find that are not on private land where I can access them and photograph them. And sometimes I go to them and I've seen them like on a satellite image, but then when you get there, it's really overgrown and it barely shows up on a photograph. You can sort of see it if you put your foot in it. Um, but, but yeah, I'm just, it's something I, I go to as many as I can really. 
I always have a list of ones where I've gone through some papers, a pre-GPS, somebody's recorded it. I try to work out where it is, but maybe that street name has changed or that field name has changed. And then when I eventually find it, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I found it. Yeah, right. Well, I, I can imagine. I love it. Have you, have you, have you, um, have you sent a drone up? Do they, do they make any sense from the air? Like that, that's, you know, that, because I know that's, uh, you know, because, I mean, I'm, I'm off on a field mm-hmm. trip. You know, when we record this on the, it's the 17th when we record it, it'll come, this will come out probably next week. However, um, it's, yeah, I'm off on a field trip the next couple of days because it's solstice weekend. I want to have a look at a couple of different things. Uh, and, you know, I do have a drone. I was just wondering if, if there's anyone sent a drone up with some of these more defined ones to see any of that sort of stuff. Uh, no, I haven't, and I haven't really seen any drone footage. I've just looked at satellite images. It would be worth doing in the ones, in, especially in the the complexes where there's like so many just in one field. Because mm. the that, thing is, that you, would you, yeah, be a you, good you, idea. You get a drone up about fifty meters, and with the four K resolution, you could actually you, you could begin to map them. You know that that that's yeah. that would be an interesting an interesting exercise. To what end? I'm not really sure. For but, sure. Uh, I, I, For sure, it, or you never know. It'll just bring more questions. Yeah, that's this. that's right. It's not going to answer anything. You're no, but a, it, it would be interesting to do that. For sure. Yeah, you'd have you'd have a you'd have a now you'd have a map of some of the sections. You wouldn't know where it went or what it did or what it was, but at least you'd have a map. Um, but look, that's that's all really fascinating stuff. Um, I suppose I know you've you've listened to some of the stuff we've done here, and yeah. um, have you got any questions for me in in, in so far as you know, the work that we're doing or anything, anything that you've seen you wanted to discuss uh, in more detail? I mean, one of the things I thought was really interesting was about the um, purposeful burial of Gobekli Tepe. Yes. Because that is also a logistical issue. Mm -hmm. So once again, it's just mentioned in passing, it was obviously Mm -hmm. purposely buried. Okay, great. But how? Yeah. (laughs) And I really find that that really fascinating. I mean, I, I'm not sure, but I think it's not the only site that was purposefully buried, the only megalithic site. I'm sure I've read that about other, other areas as well. And the other thing I, I really um, found interesting was when you're talking about astronomical alignments, you know, like even across, because it could have been a global culture, there's always the chance that there was some sort of alignments between monuments across the world. Yes. I, I sometimes am a bit kind of, I mean, I tend to be a bit sceptical about that because a lot of them were built at very different time periods, like thousands of years apart. But then at the same time, you never know if there was something there before. Maybe it wasn't something that's lasted. Mm. Um, There could have been a wooden structure before or something else, but it could still have had some sort of relationship. Mm. So I really, I love that. I love looking at like different um, alignments and things. And there's been some really interesting work in general on that too. Mm. Mm. Yeah, look, I think look the Gobekli Tepe. It's not it's not really a holiday destination at the moment, Laura. So you know, it's not one that we're going to be able to go and visit um, for a little while. Uh, however, I'd love to go there because again, look, that, the reason I brought that up is that you know there is so many of us trying to do this research, and it's all very very valuable. But I thought I, I look at I read a lot, I listen to a lot, and you know I I, I watch a lot, and it's like. Okay, well, all that's very interesting, but you didn't ask this question. And that whole one of Gobekli Tepe was buried on purpose, it's like, well, hang on a minute. I've spent, I spent 
nearly 10 years or well, over 10 years in oil and gas and mining. I've moved dirt. I've used trucks to move dirt. Mm. I've moved a lot of dirt. And I know what it takes to move dirt. And that site, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's another 50-plus circles under the ground. And the, the quantity of dirt that they've taken away, and it, like, like, like I said, they didn't even have a bucket. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you yeah. know, that's, that's a lot of people with handfuls of dirt. You know, like how do you, how do you even begin to contemplate that? And the fact that it was, it, you know, that the carbon dating is, is consistent throughout the layers and it was done just before the end of, you know, whatever, you know. And this is the other interesting one too is it's like everyone talks about the cataclysm 12,800 years ago. No one talks a lot about the one that happened 11,600 years ago that cleared the skies and allowed us, that's basically when we started, right? That's, that's when our modern... Yeah ancient history starts as 11,000 odd years ago and it was buried just before that. So that then would lend that they had knowledge of that. Like, and the, 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 the understanding that that would have, you would have to have to even pretend to do that, you know, and, and also the yeah. fact that a lot of these, the, you know, with the, with the alignment stuff at Gobekli Tepe, they're, they're aligned to the old North Star. They're not aligned to the new North Star, you know, like the, and that then puts it in a different different time period. Um, you know, I think it's it's one of those things that it, it, it is the evidence, right? You know, obviously mm. in, the, in the 90s, you know, Graham Hancock was his fingerprints of the gods and then that sort of blew up and and then, then everyone's like, oh, where's, where's this civilization? Where is it? Where is it? And then. Gobekli Tepe is properly excavated, and there we are. This is this here it is, and everyone goes, "Wow, okay," you know. But, but then that that then puts questions on that that would then that put when I look through the lens of Gobekli Tepe, that then begs questions about the cart ruts, you know, about this stuff. Like it's it's how far do we go? You know, and exactly. I think you know the the global culture. I think what I'm seeing is, you know, I synthesise data. You know, in here in the refinery, we synthesise data. Or I synthesise a lot of data, and I'm seeing constant echoes of a of if not the same culture, but a very very similar culture. You know, and, mm-hmm. and and that culture looks like it was in Malta at some point, you know, or, or the remnants of that culture or the builder culture, as we say. Um, and the, the list is literally growing every day where it's fast becoming undeniable that there was a megalithic, a global megalithic culture for many, many thousands of years that sat outside of the Romans, it sat outside of the you know all these major empires that we understand that we have stories of. It sat outside those empires. It was not mm. that belief system. It was not that understanding. It was a different understanding, and we find it. And why I asked whether the you know the Romans you know, built temples on top of temples because they did the same thing in in England, didn't they? You know, like under mm. under under a lot of the major churches, you find remnants of. Roman, and then under the Roman stuff, you find remnants of megalith. It's like, so why then? So not only are we talking about a megalithic culture that's older 
than all of these other empires we talk about. But for whatever reason, the sacred sites are the sacred sites. And this is, mm-hmm. the, this is the interesting thing to me. It's like the sacred sites are the sacred sites. Why are they the sacred sites? You know, you can get, you talk about Baalbek. You can talk about pretty much any of the major churches and temples, even the ones I would say to this day, you know, there's some interesting stuff uh, another friend of mine is doing uh, here in Australia where some of these major Catholic or, you know, Christian Roman Catholic churches are built on some very interesting spots where something may have been there in the past. It's yeah. like so not only so it, it, my question then would with where my thought process goes process goes then is it is it is it the classic are we better build a temple on top of their old temples so we can adopt them into our doctrine or is it a prior acknowledgement of something that came before you know like this is a and then if that's the case then you know where what did they understand what did they know like it's it, these these questions and these it, it, it continues to, to boggle the mind. And I, I don't have any answers to any of the things that I just said, but mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, it's fascinating to think about. Yeah, and then we've also got to look at the fact that, I mean, a lot of the time there isn't any dating evidence. Um, some things could have been, could have disappeared over, over the years. And, and we do know there was obviously meltwater um, mm-hmm. at the end of the last ice age and the cataclysms of the younger Dryas period. So there has been a lot of cataclysms over the years. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of geological change, climate change, and it is bizarrely all seems to be a nice precursor to this phase of development that then came around. So I, I'm really fascinated by that. And also the way that Gobekli Tepe is the only, well, I think it's the only one that's really well excavated, intact, and Mesolithic. Yes. Yeah. So there must be loads more. It's just there that has they to be. been found. And mm-hmm. um, that further back we go, we start to see, okay, so let's say the dating evidence is accurate and that the Maltese temples are 5,000 years old. Where did they come from? Why did they come to Malta? Mm. Maybe they came and there was something here. It's just that the, it's gone now. You know, it was made of wood. It was, mm. I don't know. It's, it's mm. we've got no evidence of it. Mm. Or maybe they just needed to come here and bring the culture from somewhere else. And that's something that I find like I, I really don't sort of believe that these um, these sophisticated cultures and megalith builders just randomly started building with. Mm with no evolution of technique or mm-hmm. style mm. um, or, or knowledge. Like it, it, I mean, just practically, it doesn't make sense to me. So maybe there was a movement of this um, megalith builders and maybe we're, here we're seeing, maybe it is much older, but we're seeing the last part of it here. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, look, that's that. And that's what I wonder too, you know. It, and again, you, you would know during your own research, the, the papers go, oh, yeah, they just decided to start building stone megaliths. Everybody did, all over the planet, and they just... Randomly. They got, <laughs> randomly. They got really, really good at it. You know, 3D relief carvings, 55-ton stones. They could just, they could just you, know, you know, just go and put it over there. Yeah, and I think that's, for, for me, logistically, every time I read that stuff, it's like, what do you mean Just they, they just did it? That's There's, there's such a... You got to you got to learn. You got to first. You got to identify the stone. 
Then you've got to figure out how to cut it. Then you've got to figure out how to cut it to size. Then you've got to actually have the – but then you've got to have the tools the whole time, right? The, and I think the, the thing we don't understand uh, – you know, I heard about uh, – I was listening to an interview with Graham Hancock the other day, and, and he reminded – it was an older interview. It sort of just came up in my feed, and I was like, oh, I downloaded this a while ago, and I had listened to it. And he, they, he was asked about where's the evidence of the technology. Now, anything that was wooden – Anything that was metal, this is a, this is an important one. Anything that was metal would have disintegrated in 500 or so years, right? Mm -hmm. if, 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 if we talk about the younger driest period, let's play with that for a minute. That if you know the the the, the best theory I've heard of that is okay. Let's pretend there were, well there was a worldwide cataclysm 13,000 years ago, give or take. Any technology or anything else like that, like if there was a building, you're going to break that apart to survive. You're going to use it for tools or whatever. And then over the course of that younger driest period where the, you know, the eternal winter for 1,200 years, whatever was left, whatever, whatever steel or metal or anything else that was there um, at 12,800 is actually not going to be there unless it's been left in oil at 11,600. It's just not. There's no... There's no there's no metal that we understand that would last that long unless it has been perfectly preserved. And even then we don't know. So it's like we have no understanding. And I think one of the things that gets me about a lot of these temples, and I see some evidence like there's there's like there's little port, like you said, little altar holes or little, yeah. you know, little things. It's like they're missing something. These temples are not complete. It's like we're looking at the structure and you know, it's it's missing the the power stone if you want to go Indiana Jones or you know what I mean. Like it's it's missing, it's not complete. So therefore, okay, sure. they left the temples behind. Like you said, there's been depopulation on Malta many times over thousands of years, but they took whatever made those temples those temples with them. You know, whatever that was, and that's not just in Malta. That's in you know, in uh, in a lot of, in in the Southeast Asian countries, you see that like there's even like bell towers with holes in them. It's like, well, what something used to go in there? What was in there? You know? Um, oh, hundred percent. I mean, even I find it strange that when they've excavated sites, some of them had no decoration on the walls, whereas others did. Some had altars, some didn't. Okay, it's very likely it had been looted over the years or whatever, but but since it was quite well covered mm. with soil and sediment and, and vegetation. I don't know. It seems strange. Why would they decorate some and not others? It's almost like they left in a hurry. This one was only half decorated. It wasn't finished yet. This one was very well finished. They even left some bones in the hole, which is seen as a ritual altar. Could have been an oven. Who knows? Mm. Um, but, but then they seem to have, taken quite a lot of other things because there wasn't that many artifacts mm. for something mm. that you would expect to be full of like ritual um items yeah that's the thing i always think as well like at which point did this become abandoned to the point where they left the bones there but took that and then why why did they just go and i know that um there's a lot of work being done on the environmental impact and there were um there was quite a lot of issues um with I can't remember all the details, but to do with 
climate and environment around the time when the temple seemed to have emptied out. Mm. But it, but that would imply it was a gradual process. You know, they were struggling with resources. They had overused the soil. They had chopped down the trees. The climate had changed in the Mediterranean somewhat. And so people were finding it harder to survive. And so you would see a gradual decline. This looks more like an abandonment, in my opinion, like mm. just looking at it as an outsider. It just seems, it seems like odd. It doesn't seem like a gradual decline. And I think you're echoing something there as well, is that on a lot of these sites around the planet, you see that in South America, you see it in some places in Southeast Asia, you see it in a lot of these megalithic sites that they just left. You know, they just up and left one day. You know, something happened and they left. And, you know, there's still stones in the quarry. You know, there's still this here, there's still this here. Uh Like what happened you know well even the stone rollers i don't believe they're stone rollers simply for the fact that they're right outside the the outer wall of a temple that had been in use for more than a thousand years you would tidy up (laughs) like if it was of such ritual significance and you've gone to the effort to do these super intricate carvings and even plaster and paint the walls with red ochre would you really have just left all the stone balls outside that pushed it into place Mm. like well, the I, thing of it, well, the stone, yeah. stone roller thing too. I just had a thought. We, you would have found stone rollers in the cart ruts. There would be evidence of well, stone yeah. rollers before. You know, they wouldn't like, all be empty, would they? <laughs> no, you, you'd have to have. It's like ball bearings. I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I do a lot of my own mechanical work. If you let a, if you, if, if a bearing lets go and you end up with ball bearings on the floor, you'll be finding ball bearings for the next six months. So. You know, there, there would be balls left left in the cart ruts at some point in the in in that. You know, well, look, I, look, it's you know, it's it's all fascinating stuff, Laura. I don't know that we've solved anything tonight, but I've definitely learned a lot uh, about Malta, and and I really appreciate your time uh, and conscious of your time. Where did you want to finish? Is there something you want to talk about to finish to finish off this conversation, or is there another question you had for me? What No, I mean, what I would say, I mean, it's a good point to, to close it, I think. But what I would say is that we need to encourage us all to continue collaborating, you know, not just one-off podcasts. It'd be great if we could send each other research, mm. keep talking, keep Absolutely. finding solutions. I, I'd actually love to do like some sort of a, a little mini debate where maybe we, we pick just one of the subjects and we bring out all the research that we have on it, like four or five of us, and we just sit there and talk about it. Um, that would be quite good fun as well. So I think this is a really good way to close the, the podcast, but I think it's also an, a sort of opener to what we can collaborate on in the future. Mm. And if you want anything well, you know, from Malta, since I don't, I, I don't want to just be doing Malta, I am reading papers and books on lots of different megalithic sites yeah. around the world, but I'm pretty much fixed here for obvious reasons at the mm, moment. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not easy to get around. I mean, I might manage Italy this year, but that's probably it. So um, what I was thinking, whilst you know, my focus is on Malta, if you need photographs of anything or you see something, you say, do you have a photo of the back of that? Because mm-hmm. I've, I've got an idea. I'll go around and I'll take it. Like, yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a small country as well so obviously I can go to all the sites <laughs> mm, mm. Um, any any day it's not like I've got to drive for like several hours yeah. so um yeah let's let's do that let's collaborate let's see what we can come up with I would love to solve 
even one mystery or open up a theory that <laughs> that no one's come up with or yeah, find yeah. a megalith that nobody's found yet. Yeah. So I'm always like working on these things. Well, look, that that looked uh, look. I I would love to do that. I think that's great. And if, if you've got, I'll, I've got a couple of people that I know would be, you know, a couple of other researchers that uh, that would love to probably be in on a five way debate, which could be crazy fun. Uh, and very interesting to see uh, different points of view. So count me in on that. If you've got some people, maybe we we work that out. I think that would be an interesting discussion. And look, I'm always open to new perspectives, Laura. I think it's uh, it's very very important. But yeah, look, I think this is our first conversation. Obviously, uh, it won't be our last. Uh, I, I I really appreciate your work. It's very thorough. And uh, and appreciate and yours too. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Look, it's it's. This 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 rabbit hole that we're we're down, uh, and there's, there seems to be a growing number of us. You know, we're looking for these answers in the past. You know, I always say that the reason that I'm doing this is I think this culture is trying to tell us something. You know, there, there's answers in the past that could help us in the present that may help us dictate our future. You know, and if there if there was once a global civilization that existed in seems to be somewhat harmony, there's something we could learn from that. You know, like yeah. I. Is there something we could learn from that? See, listen, let's let's stay in touch. And uh, you know, I, I'm actually, you know, talk about megalith hunting uh, as of six o'clock tomorrow morning. That's I'm heading three hours south to uh, see what I can see on the northern New South Wales coast. There's standing stones everywhere, Laura. That um, the, some of them are hiding in plain sight, and some of them aren't. And we're 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 on a mission for a few days to to see what we can see. So that'll be interesting to see where that goes. But um, Thank you very much for your time. Have you got anything you want to say? Thank you, Chiffin. That's no, okay. You no, that's it. it. That's it. That's it. Good, good, good look with the megalith hunt. <laughs> yeah. find something. Oh, I'm sure we will. I, I, yeah, I'm sure we will. I've got all the got all my gear packed. I've actually that's what I've got to do. I've got to finish packing and then uh, get some sleep and get on the road in the morning. So, appreciate your time. Awesome. Let's, let's stay in touch. And uh, thanks very much. Bye, bye, Chiffin. Right. Thanks, Laura. Cheers.